0: Merry Christmas. The suspense builds. My dear brothers and sisters, on this Christmas night, I think it would be fitting and appropriate for us to take some time to see where we find Christ in Christmas. In fact, I think I can boldly. Title This Homily, Finding Christ in Christmas. I'd like to decode what many people have just taken for granted as that good old Christmas feeling and reveal that Christmas, as we know, is an authentically Christian, but specifically Catholic feast. But for 2,000 years, we have been celebrating something which always points to our Lord, our Savior, our King, our hope, which is Jesus. How do we find Christ? Where do we find Christ? So, I brought a few Christmas things with me tonight and thought it would be fitting to look at them. We'll start off with stockings. Many of you have hanging tonight, and there's probably many children here that hung their stocking with great care tonight, hoping that something great will happen on this sacred night. Why is that? By the way, I have seven stockings. I actually have eight. One for each of the four campuses of All Saints Parish, one for St. Teresa, for St. Lawrence, for St. Mary's, and one for our online campus. Those are my children. We'll see if anything gets put in them tonight. Why do we hang stockings by the chimney with care? Matthew chapter 6, verse 3. says, When you give alms, you should not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. It's called anonymous giving. St. Nicholas is the patron saint of anonymous giving. St. Nicholas was a Catholic priest and the bishop of Myra, which is present-day Turkey. From St. Nicholas, we have anonymous giving. There was a man who lived in his village who was very poor. He had three young girls in his family, and he was going to sell them as prostitutes because he had no dowry for them. When Nicholas heard about this, he decided to give the man a dowry out of his own money. For anyone, for anyone who has ever received an orange in the toe of their stocking, that tradition comes from the three gold coins that Nicholas gave anonymously to this man. Nicholas, after giving the gifts, tried to sneak away, and yet he was found by the Father. Anonymous giving. Stockings. Candles. You'll notice surrounding you right now that there are candles near the windows. We read in John chapter 8, verse 12, that Jesus is the light of the world, and he is. When Catholics were persecuted in Ireland by the Protestants after the Protestant Reformation, there is at one point where England gave Catholic priests in Ireland three options. They could be executed, they were could renounce their faith and join the Church of England, or they had to go into hiding. Many faithful Catholic priests went into hiding, those who did not choose to be martyrs. And in the winter days, the faithful Catholics in Ireland would put candles in their windows and leave their back door unlocked. And Catholic priests, in the night, knew that a burning candle in a window was a place where they could come and say Mass for the people gathered in that home. A candle in a window, which we now believe is a Christmas decoration, was actually how the Irish people kept the faith alive and kept priests alive in the darkness and stillness of the night. Christmas wreaths. We read in Psalm 136, for his love endures forever. A Christmas wreath, of course, is a circle. It has no end, no beginning and no end. And it's made out of evergreens, a reminder of God's love that never ends. Often decorated with red berries and a red ribbon to remind us of the blood of Jesus, because his love never ends. But did you also know that that a wreath at Christmas is a sign of a wedding ring? So then the question is who's getting married? There's two weddings at Christmas. First, the wedding of humanity and divinity. Jesus Christ himself is the wedding of all that is divine and all that is a human in the incarnation. But it's not the only wedding at Christmas. The other wedding is yours. This is our first reading at the Vigil Mass this evening. For the Lord delights in you. As a young man marries a virgin... Your builder shall marry you. As a bridegroom rejoices in his bride, so shall your God rejoice in you. Who, my brothers and sisters, wants to marry you tonight? Your God does. Poinsettias. Poinsettias came to America in 1828. Why? Because it was the first time the United States of America actually commissioned there to be an ambassador to Mexico. So this ambassador went to south, southern Mexico, and he brought the poinsettia to America. What was his name, by the way? Oh, yeah, Dr. Joel Poinsettia. He named the flower after himself. In Mexico, however, the poinsettia had already been associated with the birth of Christ. There was a very, very poor, simple girl who had no money, but she wanted, after hearing about the wise men, the magi, who brought great gifts to Jesus. She wanted to bring a gift to Jesus. So she went to her parish church, and on her way, she gathered from the field weeds. She had no money. She had nothing. So she picked weeds, and she arranged them as beautifully as she could. And the story goes that as she presented them to the Christ child at the nativity scene in her parish church— the weeds turned into beautiful poinsettias. Poinsettias, of course, a red and green flower, but more importantly, a flower in the shape of the Star of Bethlehem, a reminder of the Christ child. Holly is a symbol of Christmas. At St. Joseph St. Leon, here at All Saints Parish, there is a holly tree right next to the rectory. Every year I cut holly off of that tree for my table That my family eats dinner at on Christmas. If you've ever cut holly or picked holly, holly is painful. We read in Matthew 27, verse 29, that our Lord was crowned with thorns. Holly has been used as a Christmas decoration to remind us that the Son of God, born in Bethlehem, will die. He was born to die. And the blood-red berries of holly remind us of Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, which says this, that there is no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood. And Jesus came to set us free, and the only way for him to set us free was for him to shed his blood. He was born to die for you and I. Next, of course, we have the Christmas tree. For those of you who are my homily on the second Sunday of Advent, St. Boniface, the patron saint of Christmas trees, the patron saint of Germans, went to Germany in 722 and cut down the thunder oak tree. Our ancestors were pagans. Our ancestors practiced child sacrifice, disordered sexuality, and and worship nature. Just like our current culture does, right? Our current culture kills children, worships nature and practice disordered sexuality. What does our second reading today say? It says this, St. Paul's letter to Titus, The grace of God has appeared to you, training you to reject godless ways and worldly desires, and to live temperately, justly, and devoutly in this age. That's exactly what Bonaventure did. And the Christmas tree which sprung out of the ground that night in which the people of Germany brought into their homes was a reminder of an arrow, an evergreen arrow that pointed them to heaven. Saint Boniface, that bishop that night, said, Behold, I present to you the tree of the Christ child. What do we hang on that tree? We hang lights. The candle in the window which proclaims that Jesus is the light of the world where Mass will be celebrated. The lights on our Christmas tree remind us from Matthew chapter 5 verse 4 that we are called to be the light of the world. In our homes, in our streets, in our workplaces. For those of you who put tinsel or beads on your tree, if you have never heard of the story of the Christmas spider, my dear people... Where have you been? There's actually two legends of the Christmas spider, which is actually where tinsel actually comes from on the tree. The first is that when Mary and Joseph were fleeing to go to Egypt, which we hear about uh, in the gospel because of King Herod's jealousy and envy of Jesus, that Mary and Joseph were hiding with the Christ child in a cavern. And spiders came in the night and made webs across the small little cave. And when the soldiers were looking to kill Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, they saw the cavern, but they noticed all these cobwebs, and they said, there's no way someone's hiding in there. The second legend is a story of a widow who had a Christmas tree with no decorations, and spiders came and wove webs on the tree throughout the night. Other ornaments upon your Christmas tree. In the 1400s, our Catholic ancestors put two things on their Christmas trees red apples and unconsecrated Eucharistic hosts. Why? Well, the tree that brought sin into the world had an apple, and the tree that Jesus died upon. where he said with his body, this is my body given up for you, this is my blood poured out for you, was how we received the Eucharist. And so the food of the fall and the food of eternal life were both on the tree as a reminder of death and eternal life. It wasn't until 400 years later that Hans Greiner, a German, in 1847, made the first glass blown Christmas ornament. Candy canes are a delightful Christmas treat for all, which remind us what? That Jesus is the good shepherd. Thus they're in the shape of a shepherd's crook, but they're painted with what? They're painted with red, the stripes of his blood. Because he is such a good shepherd that he's willing to die for his sheep. On the top of your tree you might have a star. To remind you from Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 through 12, to seek after the Lord as the Magi did. To be willing to travel, to be willing to go, to be willing to seek, and to be willing to give everything once you find him. Some of you might be thinking, Father, you are a fool. No one puts stars on top of their trees. Father, we put angels on top of our trees. A quick vote real quick here at Midnight Mass here uh, in Dover. Raise your hand if there's a star on top of your tree. Raise your hand if there's an angel. Well, apparently, angels just won here in Dover. Why do we put? It, why are angels a Christmas decoration? Well, clearly from Luke chapter eight, Luke chapter two, verse eight and following, the angels sang "Glory to God in the highest." On Christmas night, the birth of Jesus, there was angelic singing. Just imagine for a moment if you came to Christmas mass and there was no singing whatsoever. It'd be unthinkable. We are called to daily sing the praises of the Lord because the Lord is with us. We can get to decode all these decorations, all these customs, all these traditions. We can even decode the very words that we speak. For weeks now, people have been wishing you a Merry Christmas. Where does that phrase come from? It came from the phrase of wishing someone. That they would have a merry time at their Mass in honor of Christ's birth. Have a merry Mass of Christ. A merry Mass in honor of the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. And what is, what is the Mass? Well, every Mass is Bethlehem because Christ is born on the altar. Body, blood, soul, and divinity. Every Mass is Bethlehem, but every Mass also is Calvary. Merry Christmas. So where are you at right now? You are at the culmination of what everybody has been wishing you and praying for you and singing to you for the last month. And the beautiful thing is we've just begun. Now, as we know, there's been much debate about Merry Christmas, and a few years ago, you know, many businesses took these stances and told all their employees they were not allowed to wish anyone a a Merry Christmas And they told him to say what? Happy holidays. Did you actually know that happy holidays is actually just as Catholic? Because happy holidays actually comes from the phrase happy holy days? Because the holy day of Christmas begins today, but goes all the way until February 2nd? In eight days from now, we celebrate the circumcision and naming of Jesus, known as the Solemnity of Mary, Mother of God. We celebrate the Feast of the Holy Innocents on Wednesday on the 28th, We celebrate the Epiphany of the Lord on the 12th day of Christmas on January 6th. We celebrate the Feast of the Holy Family. We celebrate the baptism of Jesus. And thus, happy holy days, my dear people. And we have just begun. You see, my brothers and sisters, when we look at all these things, we can be like, wow. We sure can find Christ in Christmas. We can find Christ in stockings and candles and wreaths and poinsettias and holly and trees and light and tinsels and ornaments and candy canes and stars and angels and even in our greetings. Merry Christmas and happy holidays. But I will tell you, brothers and sisters, that there is one other place that we must find Christ. There is one last place that we must find Christ. And it is far more important than stockings and candles and wreaths and poinsettias and holly and trees and light and tinsel and ornaments and candy canes and stars and angels and in Christmas greetings. It is here. Is Christ in there? Because all of this means nothing. And all of this is a waste if Christ does not dwell in your heart. On the day of your baptism, you were given the greatest gift ever given to you. On the day of your first holy communion, you receive the flesh and blood of our Savior. And we are called to find Christ in ourselves, my brothers and sisters, and we are called to find him there every single day, and we are called to replenish his life through our life of prayer, our life of the sacraments, our intimacy with him. And we're also called to find him in our neighbor. The person to your left and to your right, and in front of you and beside you, and your coworker and your neighbor and the unborn. in those that you despise, and in your enemies. You see, my brothers and sisters, finding Christ at Christmas is not always easy. But it's also the most important thing that we will do. As a priest, I get often asked by many people, including my parents, Father, what do you want for Christmas this year? My response is always the same. I don't need anything. I have everything I want. I have my Lord. I have Christ. I have the Eucharist. And the greatest Christmas present that I have is in this mirror right here. The gift to be a priest, the gift to give Christ to you for your salvation. Where have you found Christ this Christmas? Have you found him in your heart, in your home, in your marriage, in your children? Have you found him in the tabernacle? Let's pray for the grace that as we celebrate this merry Mass of Christ, this merry Christmas, as we celebrate these holy days, we may find Christ in the most important place that we need to find him which is in our hearts and finding him there find him in the hearts of those who do not know him and bring and plant his grace and his life there through God's grace may it be so and through God's grace may we have the merriest of Christ masses and of holy days Amen.